Hello, Moon Tower Business Podcast fans. This is the co-host, Ben Murray. Thanks for joining us for this awesome episode about a company that helps women entrepreneurs get started. But before we start, I wanted to tell you about this great opportunity we're offered to collaborate with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for Hispanic Heritage Month. This goes from September 15th until October 15th. We will be featuring some great Hispanic owners and business owners. So please stay tuned for the next few weeks, and I hope you are as excited as we are to talk to these awesome people. Again, thanks for listening, and let's get to the next episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Moon Tower Business Podcast. Today, we're speaking with Jessica Gaffney. She is the CEO and Executive Director of Women at Austin. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, I wanted to start out by uh, asking you to, to kind of describe to listeners uh, what Women at Austin is and what, what your organization does. Yeah, I'm happy to. So Women in Austin is a 501c3 um, in Austin. It was actually started about six years ago um, by a serial entrepreneur in town named a serial entrepreneur in town named Jan Ryan. Jan uh, did an amazing job building a community and putting on events because she really saw the need um, for women to receive support when it came to growing their companies because there just wasn't, there were so many inequities. So Jan um, built the organization and founded it. And then in 2018, uh, Women at Austin joined the Notley ecosystem. And Notley is a social impact investment firm in town um, that has both for-profit and non-profit investments. So Women at Austin became one of its non-profit investments. And with that came an infusion of both financial and human capital. And they were able to hire an executive director, CEO. That's my role. So I joined in June uh, 2019. And when I joined, I was really hired to take Women at Austin to the next level. And so we did a whole strategic planning process. We realigned on our mission, which is to advance women entrepreneurs striving to grow their companies. We um, realigned on who we are serving or what we call our core customer. And that is women founders that are specifically looking to scale their companies. Um, and we are industry agnostic. And what I mean, just going back quickly to the um, scaling, the way we define it is that revenue and human hours are not, are not directly correlated. Um, so there's just the potential there. And it's what's been so fascinating also is just seeing um, how many women really um, have that growth mindset of where they want to go and just there are some very key barriers to getting them there. So we are addressing those and our four areas of focus are knowledge, connections, capital, and a growth mindset. And we focus all of our programming in those four areas. And the way we actually came to those four areas is early on, we did focus groups with over 60 women entrepreneurs as well as surveys and um, determine that those are the four bucket areas of needs and barriers that women entrepreneurs are facing right now. And so you have a pretty big network of entrepreneurs that, that are part of Women in Austin that can, that can help, right, in, in, in the community. 
Yeah, we have an amazing community. It is so strong. We have an advisory council of over 50 women and men that are that you know that sign on and support the organization because they have a passion for supporting women founders and many of them are founders themselves so they can really share their stories mentor them and we do that by plugging them into our programming so they could speak and directly mentor um, the founders in our community that's great and so your organization is launching a very exciting new uh, project called the beam angel network is that right Yes, we're super excited about it. As I mentioned early on, we um, found out that, and not surprisingly, that early stage capital was the biggest barrier for women founders looking to scale. And so it's been a dream of ours, something that we've been working on for close to a year. And um, yeah, it's our, it's our, our latest, newest program. And we are going to be connecting active, accredited angel investors with um, really, you know, uh, exciting, high potential women founders and companies. And you're going to be the first Texas-based angel network specifically focused on uh, women founders, right? Yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, you know, there are um, a couple of other networks that are focused on women um, that have uh, chapters in Texas, like Golden Seeds, but we are definitely the first that we know of that is headquartered in Texas that is focused on Texas only women founders. Very nice. Where did the name uh, Beam come from? You know, the name was such an interesting journey. Uh, we went we went around and around for so long because you know it it sort of represents so much and so much passion that we have for this. But what really excited us about Beam was that. It was um, symbolic and inspired by shining light on women founders and helping them glow. And that's where it kind of, it kind of, you know, it, it felt right. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so when is the, uh, when does the, uh, the thing kick off? When, when would you first start hearing pitches? Yeah. Um, and when do you think funding would happen for the first round of, uh, of companies? Yeah. So um, applications are now live for women founders. Um, they went live on September 1st. The deadline is September 23rd. And that's when our first cycle kicks off. We have a goal of being a rolling um, cycle. But right now we're starting off with a eight week cycle that we worked really hard to put together after doing a lot of stakeholder interviews with both founders and investors of the best possible, most efficient, um, and most importantly, probably an equitable way of doing it. So, um, you know, we go through a screening process first, and we basically narrow it down to five deals. And then those five women founders um, or teams will each be filmed. So we'll, we'll, they'll each be filmed and we'll do a pitch video for each of them so that their applications are all equal. And then our investors will get to watch those videos and then meet with the founders and decide if they are interested in moving forward into the due diligence process. We hope to have women found the deals funded by mid-November. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, can you talk about the uh, number of angel investors that are committed right now and uh, kind of a little bit about them? Yeah. So right now we have about 16. Um, we're hoping to get to about 25 um, during this cycle, we're in talks with a lot of different people, um, but shout out, we're definitely looking for more investors to join the network. 
Um, and what is really exciting is that we kicked off with, a, with what we call a founding committee. And that's basically our first group of investors. Um, it's a group of 10. They're an amazing um, group. They are allies for women founders. And kind of what sets them apart is that not only are they our first investors, they've committed to being a part of the network for two years. And they've also been actively involved in mentoring us and um, guiding us and advising us along the way as we built the network. Very nice. Is, is there going to be a particular um, you know, set of industries that you're looking at for, for applications or is it just going to be kind of pretty open? It's open. We are industry agnostic. Um, we are also um, gathering a list of experts in all different industries and fields so that we can tap into them during the due diligence process. But as far as the founders go, I mean, we just feel like women founders need as much support as possible and we don't want to limit them. So if there's an amazing deal in CPG or in FinTech or wherever, we are more than happy to take a look at it. And I also just wanted to mention too that um, there are three investor member levels for the, for the Beam Angel Network. The first is an active um, individual or partner level. So with your spouse or, you know, a mom and a, and a son or a mom and a daughter, whoever, um, and that's $2,000. And then we have a group level, which is for corporations, family offices, um, investor groups, and that's 5,000. And then we have an investor in training level, which is um, $1,000. And that's for really for um, investors that are interested in learning and are close to becoming accredited, but are not there yet and want to learn by experience and by getting involved. Um, and we are looking for both men and women founders, because uh, sorry, investors, because we are, you know, really passionate about if we're going to move the needle, we're going to involve both men and women. Sure. That leads to my next question. Um, the SEC recently changed the definition of what an accredited investor is. Do you think with that, I mean, I know it's really, really recent. Do you think that will kind of have some more interest in folks that, that may want to uh, participate in your, in your uh, angel I, network? Yeah, it's a bit, I mean, that is a big announcement because there have not been changes to the accreditation requirements in a really long time. And um, I think it's a step in the right direction for sure, especially when it comes to um, investors that are, uh, you know, um, you know, that have experience, but maybe don't have the same opportunities as others. I think it's also really a great step in the right direction when it comes to diversity and bringing more black and brown investors into the community. But basically, um, it doesn't really open it up entirely. I mean, it, it allows for experienced fund and, you know, um, employees to participate. And I think that that's awesome. But we have to be able to find those funds then that hire diverse um, employees, basically, um, in my mind. So I think it's great. And it's a good step in the right direction. But I think we have a long way to go for it, too. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so you have a, a, a pretty big group of community partners that, that will be able to help with the Angel Network as well, right? Can you talk about some of those? Yes, we are really lucky. Um, one of our strategies for being an inclusive and equitable Angel Network is to make sure that the um, applicant pool is diverse. And so we are one of the one of our strategies is to partner with community organizations all around Texas 
to ensure that we're spreading the word and making sure that women founders from all different backgrounds um, and locations within Texas know about Beam and the opportunity there. And of course, you know, we're looking specifically to for communities of, um, you know, ethnically, racially, age, LGBTQ, all different types of diversity that we can um, that we can attract to our network. We have we're walking we're working with Austin Chamber. We're walking working with Black Chamber, the Black Chamber of Commerce, um, Boss Babes. Uh, we're working with. Um, uh, Founder Institute and Sputnik and uh, Capital Factory and really a lot of the big players in town. And we are slowly but surely making partnerships outside in Dallas and Houston and beyond that. So um, we're always open. Anyone that's interested in, you know, partnering with us, we would be thrilled. And really, you know, the idea is to spread, it goes both ways. So, you know, we would love for our partners to spread the word um, so that we can support women founders as best as possible. And then we are happy also to share with our community what resources and events and other things happening um, with those community partners as well. Very nice. Um, has it been a, a challenge to, to launch a angel group in the middle of COVID? I know, I mean, angel groups <laughs> typically meet regularly in person. Has that been kind of a, a challenge? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I'm, I'm using the word funny, but panic is more like it when, you know, we have been working on uh, Beam long before COVID, you know, and of course, when it happened, that was one of my first thoughts. Um, but you know, what's been amazing is, you know, we have seen so much momentum. Um, we also have seen that um, the investors that are active and interested in deals are you know, they're really being thoughtful about where they put their funds. And then it's not just about making a high return anymore. Um, I think COVID has slowed a lot of people down and, and reprioritized um, their values and what they want to focus on. And so what we're seeing is a lot of interest from investors to not only um, be able to make high returns, but to do good and to make a difference and make impact. And a lot of them see that as a great opportunity with women founders. So, you know, we kind of look at it as like the ripple effect when women founders succeed, other women, you know, thrive, communities are supported, families are supported. And I think that a lot of investors acknowledge that and so are shifting some of their funds. I think we've also been really lucky with the support that we have. Like, for example, with Notley, um, our parent company, Notley has committed $250,000 in investment dollars through Bean Angel Network. And we also just had a commitment a couple days ago um, from Kevin McGibbon of Logic Monitor for um, $100,000. So we're seeing people really step up, people and organizations, and uh, prioritize on doing good and making high returns. So that's been wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Um, are you able to talk about some of the uh, criteria that, uh, that you all have for, for women entrepreneurs or, or fa uh, founders of companies that have to, to apply for the, uh, to be considered? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, um, we have a, um, pretty thorough investment criteria, but I would say it, it buckets into three areas. Um, the first and most important is team. And when you're doing early stage high risk investing, um, 
you know, there's studies and people, you know, uh, qualitative research that shows that between 70 and 90% of the decision is based on the founder or the founding team. So we weigh that heavily, their experience, um, whether they are the right fit to solve the problem that they're, that they're focused on, um, you know, what their team looks like, you know, um, and, and how they work together. So that's the first one. Then the second is the uh, market. So competition, um, is, it, is it a sizable market? We are looking at over $500 million market sizes. Um, you know, what is realistic there? What are the players there? Have they, have they sold um, or exited, you know, um, or been acquired? And then the third is the actual product um, and the traction that's, that comes along with it. So, you know, where are you in, you know, if it's a product or a, or a service, you know, where is it compelling? And when we say compelling, does that mean that you've actually received traction for it? So those are like, there are three main buckets that we really look at. Um, but I would say, you know, there's an art to this. It's not just a science and there's gut feelings involved. And I think it's very human, this type of investing, which is why I think that um, historically and, you know, unfortunately, most of the funding goes to white men because most of the investors are white men. And when you're sitting across the table for, from someone, it's just human nature that you relate to someone that looks like you and you trust someone that looks like you. So, you know, we're hoping to definitely change that. But we also... Um, you know, we know that, you know, that they will, there will be different factors that we can't always break down to a science with, with each deal. Sure. What can, um, what can folks in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Austin do to help support Beam? Thank you for asking that. So um, first and foremost, if you're an active investor, um, join the network as a member and, you know, earmark some of your investment dollars to women founders. That is an amazing way to support us. If you're not an active investor, um, we do have, um, we are creating a whole list and community of experts in the field and people that might want to volunteer, you know, help screen or mentor um, some of the, our, our deal, our founders, um, because we just don't have enough now investors yet and to be able to offer all of that to our founders yet. So that's an option, um, and they can reach out to me at jessica at womenataustin.com if they're interested in doing that. I would say also just spreading the word and being an advocate and ally for women founders is a wonderful thing to do. And, you know, some specific examples of that are letting a woman founder know about the Beam Angel Network opportunity, um, you know, directing them to Women at Austin. Um, we are... Um, we have a program called Fundraising Essentials that um, our next round launches at the beginning of November. And that basically is programming to help women founders get prepared to fundraise. So if someone's not fundraising right now or just not there yet, but is think thinking about potentially doing it in the future, it's such a wonderful way to get prepared and start building your network to do so. So just guiding them to participate in that type of programming. Um, those are all things that would be really helpful, not only to our organization, but to women founders in general. That's awesome. Definitely people need to get involved and, and, uh, and help this great cause. Yeah, thank you. 
Uh, do you think there'll ever be a, uh, a VC that, that comes out of this in the future? We'll see. Um, <laughs> right now we are focused and prioritizing making Beam Angel Network and our organization as successful as possible. So, um, but, you know, ultimately a lot of, you know, most of the women and the portfolio companies that we will have will be going on to raise institutional rounds. And we hope to, for now, um, we have amazing relationships with the VCs in town and beyond, and we hope to get help get them there to that level too. Good deal. And will these companies, um, will they have to be, if you apply for, for funding through the Angel Network, uh, do you have to be based in Texas? Yes. Okay. That is true. Yes. So you have to be based in Texas and you have to have at least one woman founder, but, but it doesn't have to be all women founders. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, off topic a little bit. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You, you founded or co-founded a company. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's, I, I have my background. I have nonprofit background, for-profit background and a startup background. So I feel like this role is like culminated all my life experiences. I'm really, really lucky to, to be serving in this, in this position. Um, but yeah, I moved to Austin from New York about six years ago and I am an entrepreneur at heart. And um, when I moved here, I ha gave birth to my first child, my daughter, Gray. And um, I knew I wanted to um, work outside the home as well as work inside the home because that is the hardest job. And I set out to find a high quality, flexible role and realized very quickly how difficult it was to find it. And there were just not resources for, for women. So I basically set out to solve that problem, um, a huge problem in our society, but one that's very important. And um, I kind of laugh about it now because it's, um, it's, I was almost a couple years too early because now with COVID, the whole, you know, working from home and flexibility like the whole, you know, world of work has, has changed drastically overnight. And I just spent so many hours talking to potential clients who are, who are companies, um, convincing them to try to hire, you know, make a, a role to hire a woman who, you know, that could be flexible. So whether it was either working from home or working two days from home or working a flexible, you know, hours schedule. And it just, it was, it was real. Those, some of those conversations were really challenging. And now I just don't think they would be as challenging. It's just a completely different world. So timing is definitely very important with your own startup. But um, I learned an incredible amount. And I also um, participated in Div Inc, which is an amazing accelerator in town focused on uh, people of color and women. And, um, uh, you know, I, that was just a priceless experience and I highly recommend it for women and people of color that have startups to help them scale. And so I participated in that and had, a, you know, an amazing experience and were, was sort of at a pivot point and was talking about getting acquired when um, this role came around and I just couldn't turn it down. So you bring a lot to the table. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. It's so a journey for sure. How can uh, folks find out about uh, Women at Austin and uh, the Beam Angel Network? Uh, is it best to go to the website, the social media? Yeah, the best is to go to the website at womenataustin.org. Um, all the information there is for Beam. Um, but I would also highly recommend that you follow us 
on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn because we always um, provide um, updates there. And then lastly, I would say is signing up for our newsletter is probably even the best way to, so that you get our updates straight to your inbox. And you can do that um, at womenataustin.org as well. Excellent. Um, one final question for you. I'd like to ask all the uh, guests on the podcast is, I might catch you off guard. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Such a good question. Oh, I would say, um, can I say two? Sure. Okay. Um, my two favorites are Odd Duck. Uh, I think Bryce Gilmore is an amazingly talented uh, chef and is very committed to sustainable uh, cooking. Um, so, oh, now I have to say three, actually. Um, the second is Dai Due, um, which is um, Jeff, Jesse Griffiths is also um, an amazing chef. And um, then the last is Lenoir. And um, Jessica and Todd, they're a married team that I just really respect. Um, all of those chefs support our local food system so much and do it in such a beautiful way. So um, I'm always like left very inspired when I go there and also very full in a very good way. <laughs> what's, yours? what's yours? I, I think it's Nixta. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that place is awesome. Better. But Odd Duck is great. I love that place too. Yeah. It's, it's where we often go for like special occasions. Um, so um We've had nice birthday celebrations there and we opened up the envelope and found out we were having um, our second child. You know, we found out he was a boy there. So we have really nice memories there too. That's exciting. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. My background is in sustainable food as well in the nonprofit world. So I serve on the board for sustainable food center. And so I just have so much respect for the chefs and the restaurant community in this town. They are, you know, and I think about them and we try to support them as much as possible during this time. It's, it's, my heart goes out to a lot of them. So I love that you asked that question. Awesome. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing uh, your story, sharing, talking about uh, also the Beam Angel Network. I, I wish you the best of luck. I encourage listeners to, to check it out and see how you can get involved and help. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on or hopefully we'll have some of your portfolio companies on here. That's for sure. Thank you. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our episode with Jessica Gaffney and the awesome things she's doing at Women at Austin. Stay tuned for our next episode for Hispanic Heritage Month. We will be speaking with Olivia O'Neill, the owner of Sugar Mamas, an amazing bake shop that offers some delicious sweet treats. As always, take care and stay healthy.